thank you for joining me. <clears throat> My name is Kay Thompson, and this is the latest episode of A Lesson in Real Estate. I'd like to um, thank you guys for being patient with me um, <clears throat> as we work through how to deal with the changes in our world as it relates to the coronavirus um, being the principal broker and a broker at a real estate firm or work closely with people um, who have the best interest of the agents as well as the best interest of the, of the public at heart. Um, we've really been um, diligent in looking at ways that we can keep our business open and operating it, um, functioning at a, at a you know, adequate capacity and still, you know, keep everybody healthy. So thank you for that. Um, it's, and so as a result of that and all these uh, kind of changes that we've had to go through at, as far as, you know, how we meet with one another and how we communicate it has put a sort of a damper on the schedule for um, these episodes. And um, so I'm looking very much forward to getting back on more of a schedule and getting everyone um, acclimated to, you know, listening to these lessons again. So I like to start by saying that I take um, quite a bit of pride myself in trying to find information and material for this podcast and other publications um, that I may produce. Um, or be a part of that are going to be relevant for the times and that are things that we can learn from in the future. And um, at the onset of my recording these um, these podcast episodes, I was thinking, you know, that uh, we were going to have a major shift um, downward um, and there were going to be certainly some major um, corrections in the markets as it relates to real estate because of um, the how the the coronavirus was affecting everything people's ability to go to work you know people's ability to um, <clears throat> earn an income i mean it definitely caused a big shift in the way lending happens with um, buyers um, for uh, residential properties in particular and so all of those things kind of changed. Um, and and um, so it's been, you know, quite a challenge for me, I should say, to be able to, you know, well, not necessarily find good information, but to be able to decipher and dissolve the information and compartmentalize it in such a way that I can bring you the relevant pieces for this little 20-minute podcast and, and, you know, kind of awaken your um mind to some of the things that are happening in real estate and <clears throat> how those things can have either a positive or negative impact on your on your on your life. And so today I chose to talk about um, the shortage of affordable homes that is currently persisting in our country and has been persisting, um, I would say for uh, the for decades. Um, if you really want to look at you know, large-scaled um, um, data um, in, in just um, historical fact. Um, we've always had a, a shortage of housing for the, the 
um, people who live at the lowest levels of our income spectrum. Um, and the coronavirus has in uh, a few ways um, exposed that uh, more, so more people are seeing it. And um, it's, you know, caused um, conversations to come about that, you know, are geared around, you know, what can we really do to solve this issue? And to be honest with you, it's it's um, has many layers. Um, some people may not want to hear this, um, but there is an issue um, that we have with, you know, um, stereotypes, whether they are race-based, uh, faith-based, gender-based, um, sexual orientation, um, or whatever. Um, those things absolutely do exist in the real estate world, and those things, you know, can keep a person from acquiring the <clears throat> uh, property that they truly want. Um, and then on the other end of that is the income spectrum, and I, that's the part that I really want to focus on for the rest of the podcast. Um, and just how the income dispar disparities um, do line up with, you know, um, the ideals about race, you know, um, religious belief and, and things of that nature and how it's causing a really big issue for people who want to become homeowners in our country. Um, we've long been told here in America that um, the first step to having generational wealth and to, you know, building um, some form of legacy for your posterity is to be the owner of land. Um, land is, you know, I think I've said it in a previous podcast or two that it is the utmost, absolute, uh, most precious commodity there is. As long as there's an earth, there is going to be land. And as long as someone can strike ownership of it, um, and, and maintain that ownership, then it is worth something, even if it's just to them. <clears throat> and so um, in the last few years, though, we have seen a dramatic increase in the amount of people who, um, in the amount of people who do not, um, <clears throat> who cannot afford, you know, adequate housing. And it's, it's you know, it's just, um, unrelenting at the, the speed that it's going, that this that this divide is continuing to widen, and a lot of it um, can be looked at and assessed in one big document. Um, I am a member of an organization called the National Low Income Housing Coalition, and their primary focus is to bring awareness to shed light on these disparities as they um, relate to affordable homes. And um, then also try to partner with people in the communities, whether you're a big player in the community, a big fish in the pond or a little fish to try and determine, um, you know, what we can do to, um, to change this dynamic. And so they create what's called the gap um, report. And the gap report is, um, <clears throat> not really sure if there's an acronym for the word gap, but that's just what they call it. And it talks about, this is a, a report that they, they produce, um, every year based on data, um, that they've collected and studies that they, that they, um, organize. 
and conduct. Um, this this report is a real eye opener, and it gives a lot of you know horrifying truths about exposes a lot of horrifying truths about home ownership and how you know it is definitely something that is harder to contain for people that are on the lower income wrongs of the income bracket and for people of color. And <clears throat> so I'm looking at the one that was produced and published um, in March of this year. And some of the numbers are, like I said, are totally staggering. Um, for example, um, uh, there are a hundred, there are 10.9 million renters, uh, households with extremely low income in America. And they account for 25% of all renter incomes and 8% of all U.S. households. Um, these extremely low income renters um, will face a shortage of 7 million affordable and available rental homes within the next coming year. <clears throat> and for every 100 of these um, extremely low income renters, there were, will be a um, shortage um, of about um, 64 million homes. So for every 100 people that are at the lowest income level um, that we levels that we have in America that are where they're able to earn income and, and afford a home uh, to rent, uh, we will only have enough housing for 36 of those 100 people. And that is... Um, very, very, very disturbing to me. Um, if you, like I said, strip away racial um, constraints and biases and things of that nature, if you just look at this from an income level perspective, it is um, just truly amazing to me that, you know, in a country where we're supposed to be the biggest, the strongest at everything, we have, you know, the most abundance um, that we'll have 64 out of 100 people who live at the lowest levels, you know, our income brackets that that will basically be homeless because they, you know, they either won't be able to find adequate housing or if they do find it, they, it won't be affordable to them. And so that's really something to think about. And if you look at um, the um, average poverty, uh, average income of a family of four um, that is at poverty level, meaning the amount of income that they bring in um, reaches just the bare, you know, at poverty level. They can only afford um, rent of, of no more than $644. Like that's their maximum budget. The average cost of a modest two bedroom rental home in the uh, American fair rental market right now is $1,194. So if you were a person that was, you know, like I said, an average family of four living at the lower, you know, the lower end of the, you know, income uh, structure, uh, spectrum, you're $500 or close to $600 um, shy of being able to pay your rent on a basic two-bedroom property. If you have a son and a daughter, you can't even afford to give them their own bedroom, which in a lot of states, the law says has to happen, um, that your, your children of different sex, 
sexes have to sleep in different bedrooms. So um, in the city that I live in, we do have a lot of, and, and let me uh, preface, preface this by saying, I do not knock investors. I believe that we need investors to, you know, have free enterprise and to keep our markets um, moving along in certain areas. And in and, and, and with the last housing situation we had, the investors were the ones that bailed us out. But I also believe that there should be a limit to um, we should be doing things. Let me not say a limit because I don't think there we should necessarily have limits to what an investor can can buy. I just think we need to have more resources and opportunities available for people to be able to afford decent housing. Um, but this um, report just goes on and on about, um, and it just looks at the the state of housing in, you know, so many ways. But and like I said, for this particular podcast, I wanted to focus mostly on um, the um, income aspect of it. Um, and so going through and, and I pulled out some other startling statistics, um, um, we, we hear the argument that private um, investment um, and that the private market um, really helps to promote home ownership. Uh, based on this particular report, um, it looks, that, uh, looks like that is not actually the case, that in the private market um, that um, they are not producing homes that um, would be more affordable. Um, so you don't have as many landlords out there that are looking for um, clients that they can work with long-term to help them build credit, to help them, you know, put them in a situation where they may set themselves up to be an owner of that particular home if they're renting down the line. Um, I and and this is something that I've said for quite a while. I think that um, people who work in different areas within different areas of the world of real estate should come together and you know not be as suspicious as as, as we could be. For example, um, I've been an investor and still am an investor, and I've also been a realtor, real estate broker, and I am still that. Um, I do think though that. that um, I have an advantage because I was able to look, see things from both sides of the spectrum. And I think that the two worlds in a lot of instances can marry and can produce, you know, quality housing that, you know, that we can make an adequate profit from and that um, we could make an adequate profit from and that would, you know, absolutely um, help people to you know, become homeowners in the future. Like they start out renting, but they could they could turn that into something more. Um, one of the other things that I think is burdening um, our ability to um, produce more um, adequate housing at a fair price is the fact that we are in, you know, um, different, um, I guess, entanglements, I should say, whether they are positive or negative with different countries that produce, you know, different materials that we need for building. Um, I learned just last week that we um, have a national wood shortage here in America. Um, and it, you know, it took me literally two weeks just to, you know, be able to 
um, complete the process of buying wood for a simple privacy fence um, for a property that I have. And so we also have a shortage on brick. We have a shortage on air conditioning units. Um, I found that out from a home warranty friend that I have. And so all of these things also impact the ability for, you know, there to be um, a, a production of more affordable housing that's adequate. Um, so um, that's the issue. And as we proceed forward with, or some of the issues, I should say, and as we proceed forward with, you know, moving down the line with, you know, the coronavirus and how that is affecting us, we need to remember that, you know, as we think about, which I do believe that they extended the moratorium for, um, to stop evictions through the end of the year, of this year. But if we don't have, get a hold of this situation once and for all, and I think really start to look at this as from, you know, the commodity uh, from the area of, you know, um, people are, we need people for our economy. We need people to be healthy and, you know, they need to have a certain level of, of security to be able to perform at their best, which in turn will keep our country great. Is that um, we have to be able to, you know, help them to provide for, you know, their basic needs and housing is by far the biggest one. Um, this report goes on and talks about, you know, how extremely low income renters account for nearly 72% of all severely um, cost burden renters in the U.S. Uh, I mean, it, it just, it, you know, it just goes on and on. I've, um, you can get breakdowns um, for, you know, what the um, um, number of available rentals is per you know, income bracket in each state. Um, you can find out which which areas has the most severe um, situation in the in the in the area of sh shortage of homes, in which um, states don't. So, if you're someone who is considering, you know, moving to another another state or whatever, then you can use this report to determine, you know, the feasibility that you'll be able to find something that you know, you like it that you can afford uh, before you even make that step. And like I said, it just goes on and on and on. And um, HUD um, and um, companies or, or organizations such as that, um, they partner with companies and organizations like the National, um, the National Low Income housing coalition to try and solve these problems and you know if that's something that you're interested in becoming a part of this um organization or doing what you can to you know help them um to solve the problem you can go to their website um their website is um, um Uh, the, the National Coalition of um, National Low Income Housing Coalition. Their website is nlihc.org. You can take the opportunity to donate um, to them to help them in their cause. And 
Like I said, they are um, a really awesome organization. They do a lot to ensure that we have down payment assistance programs for home buyers. Um, they keep up with, they actually raise money to put into those coffers, not just in one state, but nationwide. Um, they also fight to get funding to help um, people that have the issue with, um, you know, low income um, to, fi to find adequate housing and, you know, to um, help them through the legal system if they need that um, in order to, you know, continue their fight for fair and adequate housing. Um, they work with the um, government, our, you know, state representatives and congressmen, um, senators, our state governors, people like that um, who really can make a difference and have, you know, the biggest impact on how we solve the issue of affordable home, uh, homes in our states. So I urge you to reach out to them. Um, and read this gap report. Um, like I said, it's a real eye opener. Um, it does have information in there as it relates to race, but if you know you're you know um, just looking to get a clear um, picture of what the landscape is really like for housing, and you want to even you know like I said excavate or excavate the idea or you know uh, separate the idea of you know racism or culture from it just from the sheer income um, numbers that they've put up and for revenues, you can see that we have a huge, huge, huge housing shortage. It has been going on for years. There is, um, There are forces at work that are pushing um, for this shortage to be deepened and to continue, but there are ways that we can fight it and combat it. We just have to um, recognize that there is an issue and then educate ourselves on the best ways to solve the problem. Um, if you have any other questions for me about the um, shortage, um, please feel free to reach out. Um, you can call our real estate office at 901-407-2177, request to speak to me directly. You can send me an email at k at ksellsthemidsouth.com. So that's K-A-Y-E, K at KSalesTheMidSouth.com. And you can go to the National Low Income Housing Coalition. Um, all the information there is free. It's public, public information. And like I said, you can look at things from a national perspective. You can look at your state. You can look all the way down to your city and county. And you can really, you know, get unbiased information about the state of housing and what's happening. And hopefully if you do that, you can come up with some awesome ways that we can overcome this big issue. And it, and it is an issue for every American um, to solve. So with that being said, um, we bid you a good do until the next time. And thank you for joining us. And we'll be back soon. Take care now.